Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here, as always, with Drew Dinsick, the whale capper. Momentous Sunday in the NFL. Uh, a lot of <laughs> a circuitous route, but we got where we needed to in the end. We'll talk about both of the games yesterday. Then we'll talk about the early line on the Super Bowl, which I think is completely wrong. Uh, and then we'll talk about uh, Arena Stavalenka uh, and other friends. But, Drew, how are you? What did you make yesterday? Uh Great weekend. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of fun uh, watching, obviously, the Australian Open wrap up and then uh, kind of putting a bow on championship weekend with two home winners. Um, the games were kind of a mess. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, some questions about the, the way that sort of the NFL product is, is currently being, um, you know, put together. I, I, you know, the Niners go to Philadelphia. We knew it was going to be a tough test. Everybody, uh, you know, expected home field advantage to matter. You expected, uh, you know, the the Eagles, if they got out to a good start, if they put a little bit of scoreboard pressure on the Niners, then things could come unraveled. Um, but the Brock Purdy uh, injury uh, and then, you know, kind of inability for the Niners to find a quarterback to play the rest of the game was, uh, you know, it was pretty clearly their undoing. Not much more to say about that one. Um, I think my major takeaways all kind of revolve around how we look forward to the Super Bowl, which is Philly's not going to be at home. They're not going to have that same level of home field advantage. And Jalen Hurts didn't really look right to me. Uh, he definitely did not have precision on his deep ball like we saw from him through the balance of the season. Uh, considering that he is dealing with a shoulder injury to his throwing shoulder, I think that is concerning. Um, and if I was a Philly fan, I would be uh, kind of carefully following reports of what he's doing in practice. Look at how his tape looks in practice, because you certainly didn't get any indication from this playoff run, even with two convincing wins, um, you know, over two teams that really just didn't have the horses, didn't have the quarterback in the case of the Niners this time. Um, you know, it's it's still the question lingers in the back of my head about what are you going to get from Hertz if you're down? Is he going to be able to throw you back into a game? And, uh, you know, if you're able to protect the lead with your unbelievable offensive line and your running attack, then that's one way, the one path to victory, surely. But, um, you know, you have a much tougher test now and it's uh, it's going to be. Uh, interesting to see how this market matures because uh, I, I, you know, I, I tend to agree with you. I think the, I mean, I'm having a tough time with this because how could we actually live through championship weekend with two markets that felt mispriced 
and then go into the Super Bowl where we see another potential misprice in the market. Like this just doesn't happen very often and it feels unusual to me. Um, but yeah, the first game was all about Niners not having a quarterback. And then the second game I thought was uh, very competitive. Ultimately, uh, Chiefs should have been favored, I thought. Um, it was a very close game, you know, credit to the Bengals for hanging in and fighting and, you know, clawing their way back into putting themselves in a position to, you know, have the ball last and win. But uh, ultimately, the D-line for the Chiefs showed up in that final stretch. And uh, and then obviously the, you know, the final outcome of the game decided by Pat Mahomes scrambling uh, and then a penalty against the, the Bengals was pretty indicative of a lot of sort of the week leading up to it in terms of talking about Mahomes mobility uh, and then the game itself being sort of uh, told but through the lens of you know the way that the referees called it but uh, I thought the result was correct I thought the Chiefs should have won by three uh, and I think the uh, the market was uh, a little favorable for us all week getting uh, plus money on the Chiefs especially yeah I think with this game a few things about Bengals Chiefs firstly yeah we were both all in Chiefs I feel like we had the right side just because when both teams had all their players in the first half the Chiefs uh, dominated and probably should have been on multiple scores at the same time I think we probably got lucky in the second half where the Chiefs as soon as they started losing bodies and they lost like I think this has been covered enough because all the focus is on the officiating but the Chiefs lost like 20% of their starters in that game I mean yeah. Sneed goes down Gay goes down on defense and they lose Kadarius Tony, Juju Smith-Schuster and Nicole Hardman uh, and yeah. then it comes to the Sky Moore show and all of a sudden uh, Mahomes needs to treat MVS like Derek Carr treats Devontae Adams because there's yeah. nothing else because the Bengals are double-teaming Kelsey. So mm -hmm. it was a weird one. I think from a betting perspective, I think it was a good lesson where, look, and I mean, I was looking for this the entire game because I got a big Chiefs position, but I backed a fair bit of Bengals live, which obviously went on to lose. But I think the live market is just never going to account for what was happening with the Chiefs wide receivers. No betting model is going to immediately be able to accurately react in the moment. Um, yeah. And it's difficult for human traders to react and price this in in the moment of, oh, Mahomes has gone from uh, having a, an array of weapons to having like one weapon. And you could see that they just could not move the ball. Uh, yeah. And really outside of the one touchdown drive in the second half, they just couldn't get anything going. So uh, I think as well, the concerns about the offensive line of Cincy, which pushed the Buffalo line to six last week, that reared its head um, mm -hmm. and was ultimately, you know, one of the huge shapers of the game. Um, what do you, if with Mahomes and how he looked, uh, which I think in the first half, he looked like 92% of Patrick sure. Mahomes or whatever. Sure. And then he aggravates the ankle rolling out to the left in, I think, the start of the third quarter. Then didn't quite look like the same guy. He missed MVS on a couple of um, key passes and was probably mm -hmm. like, like looked like 70, 75%. Yeah. If we did this game over and we knew that we were getting that Mahomes, uh, what do you think the line would have been? Three. I think yeah. three. And honestly, the I don't really know why he didn't take treatment. Like you've heard those reports as well, right? Like he didn't get, he was under no pain treatment. He was just trying to play through it. That didn't make sense to me. Um, I mean, maybe like you want to know what's going on with your ankle and just be able to feel it and make sure you're not doing more damage to it so that, you know, it's not a long-term problem. But uh, I was surprised that uh, he elected to basically go au naturel there. Uh, and ultimately, 
I think you nailed it. He was 95% of himself in the first half until he aggravated the injury. And then he was 75% of himself, but uh, you know, in his back pocket, he was always willing to make that one play scrambling and he saved it for the very end when he needed it the most. And that felt like vintage Mahomes. That felt like vintage playoff Mahomes. I can't count how many times they have needed to put away a drive to either ice a game or, you know, they needed to get a key first down so that they could kick a game winning field goal. And Mahomes elected to scramble to get that done after, uh, you know, especially after, you know, the Anaruma defense kind of leaned into the, hey, we're going to drop seven on every single uh, every single snap and not let you find any kind of success through the air to your limited weapons here. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that felt poetic uh, that that was how it ended ultimately. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if he is given two more weeks now to get healthy and he has that mobility in his back pocket on top of, you know, assuming that he didn't kind of exacerbate the injury yesterday, um, then I would expect him to be uh, extremely dangerous in the Super Bowl. Yeah, just the last thing on this game is, I mean, and maybe this is pessimism covering, uh, coloring it because I, I needed the Chiefs in the game, but I mean, to me in the fourth quarter, after Mahomes had the fumble, the game yeah. felt done. I thought Cincinnati yeah. were going to win because Kansas City could not move the ball. It seemed like Cincinnati had done enough to mitigate the Kansas City pass rush. And I mean, on that last drive live, I think Cincinnati got into minus 250 on the money mm-hmm. line after Burrow completes that third and 16 pass um, yeah. wide open to Hurst. And it felt to me like the last two games of the NBA final were like Boston just can't run. Like it's just solved. It's just done. And that's what it felt like. Uh, it felt like. Patrick Mahomes without those weapons was like Jason Tatum trying to take Andrew Wiggins off the dribble and just there's just nothing there. There's just nothing can happen. But uh turns out Patrick Mahomes is better than Jason Tatum and uh, got enough done in the yeah. end. Uh, 49ers Eagles, 49ers, there's just nothing to read into this game from the no. 49ers side. I think the only relevant thing is that Jalen Hurts, to your point, he was wincing every time he took contact. And I saw it too. Like, is this are we, are we six weeks removed from the injury? Like this isn't normal at all, right? I and agree. So I just yeah. think that people are. I think the reason why the line and we'll, we'll get into this in more detail, but the reason why the line is why it is is that there are concerns on a quarterback injury. But I think the market is concerned about the wrong quarterback. I'm much more confident in Mahomes' ankle being right than Hurts' shoulder. Um, he didn't look right. The offense was really clunky uh, and was really helped out by. The 49ers who just the 49ers just let go of the rope with the penalties. I mean, they, yeah. I mean, they knew that Josh Johnson then Christian McCaffrey playing quarterback. Um, the one thing that is interesting to me about this is that uh, from a Super Bowl MVP perspective, like if Jalen Hurts is the version he was yesterday, then like he wouldn't have won MVP of that game. I think probably Hassan Reddick wins with two. Oh sacks yes, surely. Fumble. Um, so that creates some interest in that market but is there anything else out of 49ers eagles that's material to you (sighs) man um well your offensive line for your eagle for the eagles completely neutralized a very very good d-line um which i think is what a lot of people are going to lean on in terms of expecting the eagles to be able to replicate that performance um I also think that just the fact that the final score was so decisive Eagles has kind of convinced a lot of people that they needed to be upgraded when I literally come out of that game and I'm like, uh, I went in there with too high of an opinion of Jalen Hurts considering what we saw him be able to do. Um, Yeah, it's his throwing shoulder. 
he obviously had, you know, he was more than an AC sprain. They've never really been very candid about what exactly the injury was. And uh, I come out of that one with a little bit of a downgrade on Philly, frankly, because the um, performance you got from Hertz was not good. And, um, you know, there was some opportunity. You, know, you, you mentioned it, like the Niners let go of the rope. Like they were basically like, hey, if they're going to call it, they're going to call it, but we need to try to find other interesting, bizarre ways to, you know, to, to find success in this game. And ultimately they, I thought they called it all fairly and correctly. And the you know, guys lost their temperatures, you know, tempers were high and uh, things were frustrating. I mean, when you go into a game of that magnitude and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're all of a sudden you see your coach coaching up, you're running back to be able to run the wildcat. You're like, this, this stinks. <laughs> like this shit, this isn't how this was supposed to go. Like, why are, why is this happening to us? So I get why they were frustrated. And, um, but at the same time, uh, there were moments in the game where AJ Brown clearly beat his guys. There were moments in the game where Devonte Smith clearly beat his guys down the field and Hertz couldn't make the passes. Uh, and I think that's of consequence uh, as you go into a head-to-head against the uh, Chiefs where you're going to have to score 30 points to win, I think. Yep, I'm with you there. All right, let's get into the Super Bowl specifically. But first, a reminder to download the RotoWorld app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. All right, uh, let's talk Super Bowl in more detail. So... Circa opened the Chiefs minus two and a half, uh, and that was bashed into Eagles minus two and a half. Looks like it's settling mostly around Eagles minus two. The first thing I would say here is that like line movements under three, they always feel bigger than they actually are. There's just not that much win probability shifting between minus two and a half and pick each side at the same yeah. time. If, uh, if we think the line should be more like what it opened at at circa minus two and a half and it's uh, gone the other way, then that's that's fairly material. Um, and the total here is 49 and a half. And yeah, and I mean, we mentioned it before, but my big thing is that I'm very confident Patrick Mahomes is going to look like pretty close to 100% of Patrick Mahomes, given how solid he looked yesterday and with two more weeks on the yeah. ankle. And I have no idea what we're getting out of Jalen Hurts. Yeah. That same exact read. Um, honestly, I come out of that. So, so people come out of the Chiefs game and they downgrade them because they won close and they won ugly and the refs had to help them and blah, 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 blah. Uh, okay. Uh, I come out of the Chiefs game and I'm like, man, Marquez Valdez Scantling is a real option. <laughs> like that, like he's a real weapon. Like, holy smokes. Like if you get some of your bodies back on, in the wide receiver room and you have Kelsey and MBS out there, Mahomes is healthy. He's scrambling. Pacheco running with that level of intensity, like this Chiefs offense is going to find success against the Eagles. I, I mean, you look at the matchup of the Chiefs against the Eagles defense from last season, and honestly, the Eagles defense is very vanilla. It's solvable. The wrinkles in the Andy Reid scheme will work against this. I have very, very um, little concern about the Chiefs finding success in this game, uh, which I think puts the the shoe squarely on can the Eagles go score for score with these guys. And if Hurts is not right, if he's not able to make the downfield passes, um, then they're in deep trouble because uh, there's certainly enough discipline on the Chiefs in terms of tackling. Their run defense is good enough um, that the Eagles aren't going to be able to just play keep away and run down their throats and convert every single drive with, you know, success rate of 100% on drive. So, um, yeah, this is going to be a, co- a tough contest. And uh, I agreed with the circle opener at two and a half. I thought that's correct and fair, um, particularly considering you're going to get a healthy Mahomes in that game. And we're, con- you know, I'm not convinced you're going to get a healthy Hertz. Um, and for the market to flip like this is is pretty wild. And I agree with your, with your point. 
five five point swing in the Super Bowl market. Like, oh my god, yeah, it's win probability of what, like less than six percent in total. Um, and you can argue that maybe one matters more in a playoff environment with the new overtime rules, but I don't think enough that uh, that really that there's a lot to be made out of uh, um, the big big shift here in the uh, in the market. So. Getting the Chiefs at a plus money in the Super Bowl feels like a steal. I'll take it. Uh, and, you know, until Mahomes, you know, is, is out there on crutches. And even with Mahomes on crutches, I like our, I like our chances. Um, you know, Chiefs, Chiefs are die here for me. Yeah, I think two things. One, at one point in the season, have the Eagles been rated as two points better than the Kansas City Chiefs? Like, at what point? This is, it has to be due to health. And I think the health has flipped the wrong way. And obviously, we don't know, but just based on what we've seen, like, Hurts with the thing that made Hurts so special this year. It wasn't just the rushing; it was the fact it was the deep balls one on one to Brown and Devontae Smith, and he just couldn't couldn't throw them against the Niners. He just was he was too short, he was too wide, he was too long. He just didn't seem to have a feel for it at all. He missed some big <laughs> plays, and so yeah. there's that. And then I think the second thing is, and I still don't think enough people necessarily grasp just how much better Patrick Mahomes is than every other player in the NFL. Like he is tier one by himself. This offense, this passing offense is so much better than every other passing offense because Mahomes is so much better than every other quarterback. And, you know, that's why the stuff about, you know, Burrow, Burrow versus Mahomes, like even if Burrow had gone four and O versus Mahomes, it's not even a discussion. If you give Mahomes yeah. Mar Chase and T Higgins, let's see what he can do. Uh, he's doing this with, Marcus Valdez Scantling and, you know, uh, kind of past his prime already, Juju Smith Schuster and whatever Kadarius Tony's going to give you. And yes, Kelsey is awesome. But uh, I just think that that is the thing to, to just always grasp is that Patrick Mahomes, if he is 100%, which I think that he will be, the gap between him and what we're going to get out of Jalen Hurts is extremely significant. I also think as well, the Chiefs defense, if they get their guys back in Snead and Gay, which... Not sure Those are two big ones. There, but I would expect yeah. that if if Gay was questionable to return with a shoulder and then Sneed looked like he was concussed, he's going to have two weeks off of that. Yeah. I would expect they're probably both going to play. Um, and so, I mean, the Chiefs' defense, which again probably doesn't get enough credit. I mean, I think they were 15th in, in EPA against. Like, that's a solid enough unit. Uh, and I think that they will have enough against the Eagles. And yeah. There's only two games, Drew, that I felt really strongly about in the playoffs. One is that the Eagles are going to blow out the Giants, and two is that Kansas City should be kind of material faves in the Super Bowl. So um, yeah. it's a strange one. We've got a question around Super Bowl MVP, which is always a fun market um, to get into. Cooper uh, Cup. Yeah. Did you get a Sun Reddick Super Bowl MVP? And at what odds, please, would you buy now at 50 to 1? This was the one that leapt uh, off to me uh, when I was looking at the odds this morning because I think Reddick now has four games this season of multiple sacks and a forced fumble in the game. Mm -hmm. And if you think that Hurts is not going to be right, then he's probably he's definitely the, the defensive player most likely. But what do you think of Reddick, Drew, and uh, and what do you think of the MVP market overall? I don't think a defensive player on the Eagles is going to get it. Probably not. I, no. I don't. <laughs> I don't think like, uh, Reddick could have a great game. He's playing at an on an, an otherworldly level right now. Uh, this is a tough matchup for him. Obviously, I mean, last week was too, but this is tough. I mean, the good good pass pro for the Chiefs, but um, yeah, I I just don't see again in defense slowing Mahomes and company to the tune of what the Bucks did to them 
you know, and, and at that point, like even in that game, like there was really nobody on the bucks uh, who warranted consideration for MVP. So it's going to take something too, uh, too crazy. I think to get to make another game where the MVP of the Eagles would be Hassan Reddick after this one we just saw. Um, so that's a pass for me. And I, you know, again, I think chiefs are getting into the thirties. I think, I'm only shopping in the Chiefs market at this current money. And honestly, like, I don't know if I'm going to play the MVP market. If we're going to have this big of an edge on the side, what, why bother with any of the other stuff? <laughs> I don't know. This is this is a weird this is a weird place to be because almost every other Super Bowl I can remember covering, um, I thought, yeah, this is a good line. Maybe there's a little value here, but if we really want to find some plus CV, we got to dig through the props. This one feels like it's just right there for the taking. Yeah. I thought the Rams should have been a favorite <laughs> patron. So well, that worked out for me. Um, yeah, I think with the problem well, is crazy that, talk. Yeah, well, I was a yeah, less informed man uh, back uh, four or five years ago. I think with Reddick, and the issue is, is like, what's the scope for a defensive player to win MVP in a game where the total is 49 and a half? Yeah. Like, it's, it's just so difficult um, with the numbers that the quarterbacks put up. Uh, I'd say it's probably more likely that it's going to get someone having like multiple interceptions win Super Bowl MVP, someone like Darius Slay or Bradbury or um, Gardner Johnson or someone, as opposed to what is like, is a pass rusher really going to wreck the game when the total is 49 and a half? Like, I think, mm-hmm. honestly, it's boring, but I think the best MVP bet on the board is Patrick Mahomes because he has to be. I would say that Mahomes, given the lack of receiver talent, I think Mahomes is probably has the highest Super Bowl MVP win equity in this Super Bowl than any player in history, right? How can, yeah. how can anyone have a higher percentage chance to win MVP on their own team um, than Mahomes does? Just the nature of that offense, like the, the Chiefs aren't going to, you know, if they get up big, they're not going to run the ball the entire second half. Like they keep on throwing. Mahomes is going to throw it more than 35 times. That's just how this works. So, yeah, I think he's like a 95% chance to win if the Chiefs win. Um, so, yeah, the, and the market is largely reflecting that. But uh, is there anyone on the Eagles side that you think is interesting um, or is it just hurts or pass? We talked about this a couple weeks ago, and the case was pretty clear. I thought at the time that if the Eagles won the Super Bowl, there would be a little bit of a makeup uh, vote in his favor because when he injured his shoulder, he was the presumptive favorite for league MVP. Um, and, you know, an injury taking that away from him is tough. And if he ultimately wins the Super Bowl, like the idea of kind of he's already been anchored in a lot of people's mind as MVP caliber because of his favorite status as of week 14. So it would be pretty easy to do sort of a makeup vote, make sure the Hertz gets it if the Eagles win. Um, but again, kind of having seen him play, seeing some of the concerns arise about his ability to find, you know, success passing down the field and the fact that he's going to have to go score for score here with the, the chiefs, all of this is swirling. Like that's a dead bet. I think, um, I don't know. I mean, you're you you have some read on Miles Sanders, uh, and in general, there's the running attack for the Eagles being a factor here. I suppose, uh, you know, what's what's your ticket on Sanders? Like one fifty? Uh yeah, I think there's some two hundred two hundred fifty to one on Miles Sanders. <laughs> and I mean, look, he, I, I guess, like he's a chance. Like he's a starting running back on a team that's favored in the Super Bowl and has a quarterback who has some health concerns at the moment. So I think that Sanders, who's now 
is 35 to one. I think that's an okay bet just on the hope that he can break one. And he scored two touchdowns against the Niners. The issue is he scored two touchdowns against the Niners and still wouldn't have had a prayer at MVP yesterday. So I think that he's probably the best bet on the Eagles side, but I still think that Hertz is 75, 80% of their win equity just because how do they beat the Chiefs? How do they beat Patrick Mahomes unless Jalen Hurts plays well? Like it's just so correlated with their their winning. So I think he's still very live. I think that, you know, he might just be better in two weeks health-wise. Um, so he is definitely the prime candidate on the Eagles. But yeah, I think Sanders at, at 35 to one is probably the next best bet on the board. No interest whatsoever in AJ Brown, 14 to one or mm-hmm. Devontae Smith, 28 to one. No. It's too correlated with Hertz playing well. Um, yeah. Whereas Sanders at least is a little detached from that correlation. And then, and then, yeah, you're hoping that he breaks one of the Eagles offensive line is dominance and they win a lower scoring game than anticipated. And Miles Sanders is a is hundred yards and two touchdowns, which he's done. I think three or four times this season. So there's some potential there. Um, yeah. I think you nailed it, which is there's a same game parlay correlation with a lot of that stuff, like lower, like game goes under Eagles win and Sanders makes his, you know, makes his, uh, you know, rushing attempts and yardage and touchdowns overs, overs, overs. Then he is uh, in the driver's seat to steal the award. So um, that's about the only way that I can see this game going where I, the chiefs are in deep trouble. And, I'm not, I, I mean, I bet the Chiefs against the Niners pretty confidently several years ago. And uh, even down, you know, clearly down in that game, it, it was it was never a bet that you were really ever concerned about. You're like, You're, this, this is live until the whistle blows. Like Mahomes is live to score 14 points in a quarter if he needs to. Like absolutely not worried about this at all. Um, and so I think ultimately like, Mahomes MVP as a way to, um, you know, attack Chiefs winning. The winning is the only thing I'm ultimately going to advocate for as we come down the stretch here. Again, like the way this market is priced, this is telling me Chiefs are pass. Chiefs are goal away. Call it a season. (laughs) I I mean, I I really, I can't believe how much respect the Eagles are getting right now. This is This is really tough for me to wrap my head around. Yes, the uh, Chiefs are winning this game, Drew. I uh, have a lot of <laughs> lot of Chiefs Super Bowl tickets from the plus four fifty range, mainly when it was pretty clear that they were going to get the one seed and jumping into that price when I didn't think the market was pricing it accurately enough. And a few other That's people went in with me, and um, and we were on the group thread last night, being like, "Do we are we backing the Eagles?" Like, absolutely not. Like, no. we're absolutely not hedging by backing the Eagles when they're two point favorite. Like, absolutely, we ride Patrick Mahomes into the sunset, and yeah. uh, and those bets win. All right, yeah. we'll get into some tennis. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen on the PGA Tour, as well as the Premier League, which is back this weekend, and college basketball. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. (laughs) 
Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the Initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1 800 Gambler for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800Gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1 800 522 4700. In Iowa, call 1 800 Bets Off. In Indiana, Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369. In New York, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867. In Louisiana. All right. Looking back on the Australian Open men's side, I don't think we even really need to talk about it. Djokovic beats Sitsipas largely as expected. Snoozer. Yeah, vaguely interesting. <laughs> the last two sets have never felt for a yeah. second like he was going to win. Uh, the women's final, though, was an epic, um, which I watched after the fact. wasn't brave enough to, to do the, the 3 a.m. wake up. Um, but... Arena Sabalenka wins 4-6-6-3-6-4. Double faults on championship point. Um, and then needs three <laughs> more. But eventually, got, when, on that the last championship point, which he won, when Rabakina caught the back of the line, yeah. Um, I thought he was going to blow it. But uh, what did you make of the final? And, um, and what can we take out of it going forward? Oh, man. It was um, absolutely electric. Um I, I, you know, independent of having a big old stake on Sabalenka to win at prices that I still am in shock were available. Um, it was, ex- it, it was unbelievably cool to see her realize her potential like that. Um, and the match itself was like all time great. Like put it in the, put, put, put that tape in the, uh, you know, tennis hall of fame. Like that match was unbelievably good. And the first set, 
um, Rybakina was, or Rybakina, she was exactly who you were afraid she was going to come out as, as a Sabalenka backer, just ice cold, couple of mistakes, you know, just, just took, took care of business. Uh, and ultimately, you know, Sabalenka, um, you know, gets broken on serve with a double fault. Like it was like, Oh my God, here we go again. Uh, Rebecca holds, holds comfortably for six, four. Um, and in the second set, you're just like, man, Sabalenka either turtles and dies here, or she comes, she like raises her level. And I thought she did. I thought her Sabalenka's level in the second set was like, Oh baby, we, this is like, like, Game on, game on. Like she is the better player. The match is on her racket. Clearly, I thought uh Rubakina's level dropped a bit between the first and the second set. Um, and then even then, at the end of the second set, Sabalenka has a chance to go up five two, and then she would serve it out. She had a chance to go up six three on you know break for the uh, set, which would have let her serve first in the third. And it, it Rubakina just never quit. She kept fighting through those break points again and again and again. And it was like, this is going to be consequential because I'm like watching this, like Sabalenka is firing all her bullets. She's going to tire herself out here and not get the key break she needs to really swing the win probability in this match. And I'm, you know, so it's just still a sweat, even though Sabalenka was clearly the better player in all those points, all those games. Uh, and then you go into the third uh, and, you know, the in the back of your head, you're, you're, there's fear that Rubakin is just going to all of a sudden have, you know, saved up uh, a little juice and she's going to flip the switch and, you know, and, and beat you at the worst possible time. But uh, the look on her face and the exhaustion that you could feel uh, watching um, uh, Rabakina on serve was like it was like okay this is happening Sabalenka is just you know just get get a uh, get a chance take us take a game here uh and uh, and and you got this uh but then sure enough at 5-4 that the tension was so high you could cut it with a knife it was a hard one of one of the hardest games of tennis i've ever watched uh and you know I thought Rabakina kind of conceded some very, very soft points on some sloppy returns, uh, which helped Sabalenka a lot in that service game. Uh, and as you mentioned, the double faulting on championship point was like, is this was this scripted? Like, is this preordained? Like, is this really happening? I couldn't believe it. Uh, she faces a break point, uh, which would have leveled things at 5-5 in the third set that was just like, you know, again, tension, you could have cut it with a knife, um, but she comes away with just a beautiful uh, ace uh, at a couple of moments. And, you know, just both women, I thought, were extremely impressive. Sabalenka, obviously, with the uh, with the victory in the end after, you know, what was, you know, again, one of the more memorable tennis matches I've ever watched. Uh, and uh, that was uh, that was amazing. Sabalenka, you just could not be happier for her. Uh, and uh, what a way to kick off the weekend. So uh, very, very fun. Yeah, she. Uh, for people who don't know the story of Arena Sabalenka, it was like 12 Man. months ago, where she was so rattled with yips on her serve um, that she was, she was literally serving underarm. Um, yeah. She could not hit the ball. And you watch, you go back, you watch the videos of her serve. She's like double bouncing it into the net. She's hitting it yeah. like five meters long. Like she just yeah. couldn't yeah. do it. She's having matches where she's serving 20 plus double faults. Um, and she's otherwise. You know, when outside of the serve, she's playing at a level where she's like the best player in the world. She can't hit the ball over the net <laughs> for a serve. And yeah. then to be able to do that, to be able to double fold on championship points still, and then face break point after oh, that. God, I know it. Uh, and then to be able to come through that. So I think the serve is probably conquered at this point. Uh, who knows yeah. if that could ever come back? But my question to you is 
when we yeah. look at futures markets going forward in tennis, when we look at you know the odds for the French Open and for for Wimbledon and, and the U.S. Open is up some places as well. Like, isn't Maria Sabalenka uh, basically the best player in the world along with Igor Piontek now? Like, why is she Sabalenka is still priced in the same region as you know Coco Goff and Maria Sakkari and Caroline Garcia? Like, she's clearly just better than all of those players, isn't she? Yes, clearly. Um, God damn, you remind me when she was on when she was facing that break point. If she gets broken there, she loses that match <laughs> I, almost surely, right? Like if it's five five instead, because Rabakin is serving first, she holds six five, and then all of a sudden you're serving to stay in the match, and it's just double fault, double fault. Like it, it's over if she doesn't uh, come away with that, uh, save that break point there. Anyway, uh, but you're right, she is a, an absolute world class player. She is um, the number one hardcore player by my ratings, and on fast hardcore especially, she's going to be my top rated player on grass as we go into Wimbledon. Um, and honestly, her game is like Rabakina's game, but a little bit better in a lot of a, a lot of areas. Like it's I think you, she's just better. Like, but it's this is very similar style of game. She's just a little bit better at everything, right? Um, and if you remember pretty memorably last year in Wimbledon, uh, Rabakina comes through as your champion thanks to using her power to you know get the better of uh, Ans Jabor, who I had rated as clearly the highest grass player going into that tournament. And I worry that Ans Jabor doesn't have the goods to to kind of go toe to toe with someone who has that much power who can kind of come away you know come up with that many winners. Uh, and now that you have two of those women in the draw in Rabakina and Sabalenka, I think Ans's chances for Wimbledon are diminishing quickly. Um, I think Sabalenka is the bet for Wimbledon, likely. Um, and, uh, you know, you can still get that in the 8-1 to range, which is mind-blowing mind to me. Um, there is one thing that I think you have to keep in mind, though, is when you have a breakthrough of this level and you finally get a title after, you know, pursuing it for, you know, three years where it's like you should have gotten one or you should have at least been closer than you were and you finally get one... There is an exhale. There is a definite kind of relaxation in terms of what you are putting your body through in preparation and uh, and just the wear and tear of uh, kind of you know getting ready for tour. And honestly, even beyond just the serve mechanics that Sabalenka went through to improve her game, like she's in incre- she's an incredibly fit. Uh, state and right now. And so if there's a little bit of a slippage in terms of how much she's willing to put in uh, over the next few months, just because she's like can exhale a little bit having won this title, then I will not be surprised. Right. So you could see some results like Sabalenka goes into Indian Wells as the two seed and is out in week one. Right. She goes and she's I, I like her better at Miami than Indian Wells for the conditions and the court speed in general, because, uh, you know, really the slower the hard court, the more the balance tips in favor of the Iga Sviantex of the world. Um, and so you have tournaments like uh, like Indian Wells and the U.S. Open, which are slower hard courts where Iga should still be favored over Sabalenka. And then you have the likes of Clay, where I think Iga is still broadly the clear class of the field. And obviously, you know, market right now, she's like, you know, odds on to win the French Open, which I think is correct. She's going to own that tournament for years to come. Um, but when it gets to Wimbledon, I think that's when you see, see Sabalenka rise again. Uh, I think grass season is going to be very, very big for her. And uh, I think uh, if you're going to make any bet based on the results we saw uh, from the Australian Open, I think you're, you're eyeing Sabalenka 8-1 to one at Wimbledon. Yep. I also took some Sabalenka 10-1 to one at the nice. US Open. Like She should be the favorite for that um, based on everything that... 
that I might know. Uh, I think as well on for the French, like Sabalenka's price right now, still sixteen to one, twenty to one type of range. Shouldn't she be the second favorite for that tournament after Ego? I mean, I know it's Ego to be one by herself, but isn't it's it's Jabeur, it's Sabalenka. I know Clay is in her strong suit, but at the same time, at this level, uh, I think as well the the match that she played against Lynette was kind of instructive where core conditions were a lot slower um in that with the night game there the night match and she was still able to i mean look incredibly impressive getting through that so is there someone that you would favor over sabalenka um outside of sviantec in paris maybe coco um it's tough man after the the gap between iga and the rest of the women on clay in terms of rating is the grand canyon it is an enormous gulf. Uh, and I think what that actually sets up is there's probably going to be a surprise other finalist, right? Like someone's going to come out of nowhere. One of these young Czech women who has probably kind of spent most of their time coming up on clay is going to break out, um, you know, and or Coco Goff kind of gets there again uh, and just gets candled pretty comfortably. Like that's kind of the way I see a lot of the clay season going. Um, I think basically every clay tournament Iga enters, it's hers to lose. Uh, and then Sabalenka, like she, like again, kind of a little bit of the exhale expectation here. I kind of think she's going to disappoint a lot of the spring. Like, yes, she's got the tools to still get it done. Um, if she wins a tournament, it's going to be Madrid. Madrid's a higher elevation. Ball flies a little faster. Court speed is a little. It's it's a fast clay court as opposed to a lot of the other ones like Rome, which is extremely slow. Um, so you could see uh Sabalenka take a title in like Madrid um but otherwise I think uh this is you know this spring is going to be Igas kind of um you know reminding everyone why she's considered the best women's player and uh and then I think the uh the game really gets going in Wimbledon where we figure out can Ons finally get a slam or does Sabalenka get number two uh or does Rybakina repeat like that's going to be a really fun conversation and uh uh and women's tennis is going to be incredible in 2023 yeah I'm with you there. I think with Fiantec, you should absolutely should clearly be the heavy, heavy favorite for the French. At the same time, I think that just the nature of women's tennis, the fact that it's best of three, not best of five, it's going to be harder for her to have the dull type of rain. There's just That's more variance. Absolutely, really, really and, good point. And also, like eager, she's not afraid to bottle it sometimes. Like the <laughs> way that she the played in the second set of the US Open final against Ons, she was desperate. Mm-hmm. To lose that match he was really shaky i think back to some of the lead-up tournaments the us open as well um where she was awful um against hadad meyer and, and losing one of the lead-up tournaments caroline garcia got her on clay as well um in poland um at the end of last mm-hmm. season that was her first tournament in a while yeah. so wouldn't read too much into that but I also think- her only loss on clay last year <laughs> Sure. Yeah, she. I think she can be gotten, but yeah, certainly it's going to be a tall ask. But I think Sabalenka at sixteen to one um, for the French is, is probably worth a dabble, though if you can, probably try and bet that each way um, and hopes that uh, yeah, you can dodge AG. I just circ- so circle, circle, circle. Yeah, she'll be the two seed. Almost surely she'll be the two seed. Uh, and I think circle Sabalenka for Madrid. Forget about French Open. Don't 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 do it. Skip okay. it. Yeah. Out on out on arena. All right. Well, me and Arena yeah. will uh, will go down together to the death. Without right. without looking, what's uh, Arena Sabalenka's best finish at the French Open? Uh, I don't know. What is it? I think it's third round. She is a repeat kind of out in the third round kind of uh, kind of a player there. And some of the women who have ousted her in the third round have not been very good. So uh, I don't know that uh, uh, third round of twenty twenty. 
2021, 2022. Um, if she makes it to the second week of the French Open, that'll be a win. That's right. She's a new woman now, Drew. Propel. <laughs> Demons exercised. All right. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those of you watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to subscribe and rate us from Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. We'll see you soon. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that the U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut. If you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.